Dear friends, today is uh, June the 20th. Not clear enough. Not, not loud enough. Please call me by my two names. Is it good enough? <coughs> Today is June uh, the 20th, 2000, and I'm still on in our uh, third week of the 21-day retreat. Uh, deep listening is a very important practice. Deep listening, sometimes it's called uh, compassionate listening. Everyone of us should train himself or herself to, to do this, because this is the most important practice if you want to help. Of course, we have to listen to ourselves. We have to listen to our body, we have to listen to our own sufferings and our real need. But we also have to listen to the person we love, to the people who suffer so much. Listening is so healing, so transforming. Therefore, every one of us has to cultivate uh, the art of uh, listening, deep listening. This is uh, the uh, practice, the fourth um, mindfulness training. If you practice uh, diligently uh, for during uh, two or three weeks, you'll be able to, to listen. The practice of uh, mindful breathing, mindful walking, mindful sitting can help you to, to do so. Avalokiteshvara is a bodhisattva that has the capacity of uh, listening deeply. And therefore he can help uh, so many people. When we listen with compassion, we allow ourselves to be empty without any prejudices, without any preconceived ideas. 
we listen not to judge, not to criticize. We just listen for the sake of uh, uh, listening. We listen in order to give the other person a chance to express himself or herself. And during the time of listening, we have to, uh, to maintain alive that kind of uh, desire, willingness to help. I listen like this because I want to help him or her to have a chance to express himself or herself. And compassion, compassion has to be kept alive during the whole time of listening. I listen because uh, I want to be compassionate, because no one has listened to him. No one has listened to her, really. So I am the one. I must be the one who who do the work, uh, who, who does the work of deep listening. I have to be the bodhisattva. I cannot count on any other people. So with a strong determination, you sit down and listen to him or to her. As far as compassion is maintained alive, the quality of listening will be good. Even that person say, things that are unjust, full of uh, wrong perceptions, full of judgments, full of uh, injustice, uh, you can still go on and listen. You are not affected because you are protected by compassion. I listen because I just want him or her to have a chance to express himself or herself. Therefore, anything she said, anything he said, you would allow it to to be heard. You are like a lotus leaf. Nothing can penetrate, can uh, can uh, can affect you. You have to uh, empty yourself of ideas. You just fill yourself up with compassion. And then the person who listens, uh, who who speaks, will have a wonderful uh, feeling that finally there is someone who really really listens to him or to her. If you feel irritation coming up, it means that uh, your practice is not correct. If you are motivated by the desire to answer and to correct him or her right away, that's not the practice. (coughs) If you interrupt 
in the middle where you spoil everything. You just listen with compassion and you say, Poor uh, creature, he suffers so much. Đế thính is the word in Vietnamese. Sometimes we call bi thính. Bi thính means compassionate listening. Đế thính means deep listening. If you notice that uh, irritation is coming up, uh, suffering is coming up, uh, you should stop. You would say that, uh, my dear friend, uh, could we uh, continue uh, tomorrow or, or next week? I don't feel uh, uh, well enough today. Don't try. Don't try too hard. And you go and practice walking meditation again, mindful breathing again, sitting again. And when you are certain that you can listen with compassion, then you resume the conversation. I know a, a lady who just practiced five days in a retreat, and she went home and and, and apply the techniques of deep listening, and she was able to transform herself and her husband. They had not talked to each other for many years. It was like a bomb, ready to always explode at any time. Communication was uh, impossible, and no one in the family could, uh, could help him including the children who all who have who had all graduated from university. So with the practice of uh, deep listening, she was able to uh, restore a communication relationship. She, she did a lot of walking meditation, uh, sitting meditation uh, during the retreat. For her, it's a matter of life and death. She has to succeed. The night when she got home, she was very calm, very determined to succeed. And she was uh, like another person. So. She was silent for a long time, and finally she came and sat close to him and she said, My dear friend, I know you suffer so much. You have suffered so much. It's partly because of me. I did not, I did not understand your suffering. I was not aware that you suffered so much, and I contributed a lot to your suffering. I'm very sorry. I want to 
to begin new, to, to have a, a fresh start. And you should help me. If not, I will not be able to, to do this. I really want uh, to, I really care for you and want you to, to, to stop uh, suffering. I want you to be happy. But I didn't know and I made a lot of mistakes. So please help. Please tell me what is your heart. I do my best to listen and to understand because I have not understood you, your suffering, your difficulties. That was the first time after so many years that she could uh, speak to him in that kind of language. They had been always quarreling and uh, um, their speech uh, was very bitter, judgmental, and so on. So with uh, awakening, true awakening, and compassion in her, she was able to, to, say, to say so. And her husband uh, suddenly began to cry like a little boy. And when she saw that uh, he was crying, she said she knew that uh, the door of his heart is open again. She was encouraged by that. So she insisted. My dear friend, please help me. Please help me. Please tell me what is in your heart. I'll try my best to understand you. Because if I do not understand, I will continue to make mistakes. And that night turned to be a very uh, healing night for both of them. Communication was restored because the practice of deep listening They reconcile, and they reconcile with their children. And she was able to uh, persuade him to come to a to a mindfulness retreat. That person. Uh, was aware that uh, no one can help except her. So she practiced with uh, all her heart. And that is why only six days of practice was a, uh, could already help her to, to do it. All of us can do so. One week, two weeks, three weeks of practice and then we shall be able to listen to the other person. Restoring communication is our practice. We have to restore our communication between uh, two people, uh, two groups, two communities, Two nations, and this should be the practice of uh, everyone at all levels, because we suffer so much. We have suffered so much of division, 
and miscommunication. The quality of listening determines the success. We know that psychotherapists, they should be able to listen deeply to the people who come to them. And, and, and uh, if the therapist suffers so much, if the therapist does not have good uh, communication within her or his uh, family, and then how could they listen to other people? Therefore, a therapist should listen to himself, to herself deeply, and listen to the people in his or her family deeply and restore communication before she become she could become a real a good uh, therapist. The quality of listening. Avalokiteshvara Bodhisattva is very good on, on, on this. And when you evoke the name of Avalokita, uh, you make the vow to learn what, uh, uh, his art of uh, listening. Every one of us should should become uh, Avalokiteshvara for the sake of the world. We have a very sophisticated means for communication now. Electronic <coughs> mail, fax, telephones. But this is a time when communication between father and son, father and daughter, partner and partner, has become very difficult, sometimes impossible. That is why restoring communication is a very urgent practice on all levels. The true practice is the practice of the fourth uh, mindfulness trainings, restoring communication, using loving speech, and using the techniques of compassionate listening. You will transform the situation, maybe in just uh, a week or two.
in his first uh, Dharma talk to five uh, to five uh, a group of five people the Buddha uh, revealed the principle of the practice which is the uh, teaching of the four noble truths and also he uh, he offered the, the practice of uh, the Eightfold Path. If we consider, if we study the Eightfold Path, we see that this is uh, the kind of Buddhism that the world needs. It's not uh, the practice from, for those who want to withdraw from the world. It is a practice of engaged Buddhism. In Chinese, uh, it is translated by uh, the path of uh, eight right practices, Bác Chánh Đạo. The path, the path of uh, uh, eight right practice and the first one is right uh, right view chánh kiến according to the to the absolute uh, Truth, Paramattaka. Right view means the absolute, uh, the, 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 the right view is the, the absence of all views. It's called right view. You have right view only when you have uh, removed all kind of views. The absolute truth. As far as the relative truth, you can you can create devices in order to help. And right view can be considered to be uh, to be the eightfold path, uh, the four noble truth, uh, uh, the teaching on impermanence, the teaching of uh, non-self. The teaching of uh, um, aimlessness, and this should not be uh, uh, received as uh, dogmas, theories, doctrines, but should be uh, recognized as uh, uh, instruments for us to work on our liberation, our transformation. So you should know that uh, the first meaning of right view is the absence of all views. 
and certain meaning of right view is the kind of uh, uh, instruments that help us with our transformation and healing. And right view here is uh, true wisdom. It has the uh, capacity of uh, of uh, liberating, liberating us and liberate, liberating the people around us. And then the second. Uh, the second aspect of the path is uh, right uh, thinking, right thought, right thinking. Then tư duy. As far as the absolute uh, truth is concerned, right thinking is the absence of all thinking. Because it is direct uh, encounter with reality. You don't need to think. Like you are tasting a mango, you are having a authentic, true, real experience of the mango. You don't need to think that the mango uh, is like this, like that, notions about mango you are. You don't need any notions about mango because you have the reality of the mango, right? So right thinking is no thinking at all. But when you have not got the, right, uh, the real thing, you need some kind of notions. You, you need some kind of uh, orientations in order not to go astray. You have to go into the direction of the mango. So right thinking is the thinking in terms of the four nutriments. Right thinking is the thinking in terms of impermanence, non-self. It helps. Because if you think in terms of permanence of self, you suffer much more. And it is always uh, uh, important to remember that these... uh, these uh, teachings as uh, four nutrients, four noble truth, eight noble path, uh, impermanence, non-self are instruments for, for the practice. And that is right thinking. And if you conceive these as notions, as uh, doctrines to fight and die for, that's no longer right thinking, even uh, if uh, using Buddhist terms. You have to be free from the from the teaching of the Buddha. You have to be free even of the teaching of the Buddha. You should not get caught in the teaching of the Buddha. You should be able to make good use of the teaching and not caught in it. And uh, right right view help very much. Uh, with right thinking, because uh, 
the writer are your views, the better will be your thinking. And uh, they interact with each other. If your thinking is in a good direction, and then the, your right view will grow, your freedom will grow. The third is right, uh, right uh, speech. Right speech. Forget all my English. <laughs> right speech is not to say anything. <laughs> the absolute uh, right speech is you don't say anything because as soon as you you open your mouth, you make a mistake. <laughs> you have to use words, but words cannot describe the absolute uh, reality. In our teaching, in our practice, you have to use words, but uh, it's very tricky. So the absolute right, right, uh, right speech is uh, uh, no speech at all. And the Buddha, from time to time, he, he practiced that. One day, a, a philosopher came to the Buddha and asked him many, many questions. He remained uh, silent. Dear Buddha, is there a self? Buddha remained silent. Therefore, you say that there is no self? Buddha remained silent. And he asked a series of questions like that, and finally he left without getting in any word from the Buddha. And then Ananda, after, uh, after the departure of that philosopher, uh, asked Buddha, Teacher, why didn't you answer him? Especially uh, on, 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 on non-self. You have been teaching us about non-self. Why didn't you say that uh, there is no self for him, to him? And the Buddha said, he was not looking for the practice. He was looking for a theory. Anything I tell him would uh, not be good for him. The silence is the best I can offer. For you who are motivated by the desire to practice, and then the teaching of non-self is, is helpful. But for him who is, was looking for just a theory, uh, and then the, it's very, very harmful to say anything. Therefore, the Buddha uh, practiced non, no speech. No speech is good speech. Uh, a Zen master, 
after uh, uh, having uh, made it made a statement uh, with the word Buddha in it, he said, "Guru, I hate to use the word Buddha." Every time I had to utter the word Buddha, and I have to go to my bathroom and rinse my mouth for three times. <laughs> That's the way Zen people used to speak, very drastic. Every time I utter the word Buddha, mm, I have to go to the bathroom and rinse my mouth three times. It means that you should not be caught. I'm forced to use that word, but I'm free. And if you are a good listener, then you should be free from the word Buddha. That's the language of Zen. Fortunately, there was uh, someone in the audience who got it. And he stood up and said, Dear teacher, Every time I hear you pronounce the word Buddha, I have to go to the river and wash my ear three times. <laughs> that is the kind of language they use. It means uh, the teacher, there are people like me who are free from notions and concepts. So that is why you can say that the absolute right speech, it is no speech. But when we begin to use speech, we have to be careful. And those who listen to us have to be careful also. There's so much misunderstanding. And sometimes we are full of goodwill and we make people suffer so much. And therefore, right speech is a real, a real art we have to learn. Even with the best of goodwill, you can make people suffer. Only a lot of mindfulness can help you to be, to be skillful. And we know that uh, a lot of our daily suffering comes from what we say, what the other person say. We make each other suffer because we don't know how to practice uh, right speech. Right speech and right uh, deep listening, they go together. In the five mindfulness trainings, the fourth one is on speaking and listening. This should be practiced in the family circle, in the school, in society, in the congress, and so on. Everyone should uh, train, should get some training in the art of uh, right speech, in the art of deep listening, compassionate listening. It is by practicing the mindfulness trainings that we can relieve the suffering of the world and offer a way out of the situation. The five mindfulness trainings are the very concrete ways to express our mindfulness practice.
the next uh, uh, aspect of the path is uh, right action. Action here means physical action. Because uh, right view is uh, the action of uh, the mind. Uh, right thinking is the action of the mind. Right speech is the action of the mouth. And right action here right means right bodily action. Because our action depends on our thinking and our right view and right thinking are expressed in the way we speak and we act. As far as the five mindfulness trainings are concerned, consuming, right, consumption is uh, is right action. The first mindfulness training is protecting life, protecting the environment, is right action. The second training about uh, uh, practicing generosity, not stealing, Uh, is also right action. The third training about um, protecting couples and families from being broken by sexual misconduct, protecting children from sexual abuse, is right action. So right action are embodied by, by, by for trainings and um, right speech and right uh, listening are embodied by the fourth mindfulness trainings. <coughs> In the sutra on the practice of, uh, on the four establishments of mindfulness. We learn that we should be aware of every, of every, every, of every physical uh, movement of our body. When you walk, you know that you are walking. When you drink, you know that you are drinking. And therefore, mindfulness helps us to, to recognize what kind of action that is uh, taking place so that we can, uh, we can dwell always in, on the path of right action. Mindfulness helps us to, to practice right speech and right thinking. Mindfulness is there in every uh, of the eight uh, aspects of the noble uh, path.
the next aspect of the eight, uh, the noble eight um, right path is um, right uh, effort, right uh, diligence. Chánh tinh tấn. Mm. The majority of us are very active. We want to do a lot of things. We are very diligent. Sometimes we, we are too active. We are addicted to to doing things. We are not capable of uh, just uh, be ourselves and not to do anything. But right diligence is, uh, is to, to be doing something, but something right only. And this is a uh, uh, this could be understood in the light of uh, taking care of our consciousness. We recognize that in our store consciousness, there are negative seeds like anger, despair, violence. And there are positive seeds like seeds of uh, uh, Compassion, loving kindness, understanding, tolerance, and so on. So right diligence means four things. First of all, the negative sits in you. Be aware. Don't allow them to be touched and manifest. You have to protect yourself so that the negative seed in you will not be touched uh, in order to manifest and to grow. This is a very important practice. What we hear, what we see, uh, what we feel can touch uh, the, the, the negative seeds in us despair, fear, uh, craving, uh, violence. And we have to practice together as Sangha. You tell the person uh, who lives with you, Dear one, if you really love me and help me to practice this, uh, please do not water the negative seed in me, the seed of anger, of despair, of craving. I vow not to do that for myself because I practice according to the spirit of five mindfulness trainings. Uh, I don't want to water these seeds in me. So if you care for me, if you love me, please uh, do the same. Please refrain from uh, watering the seed of anger, of fear, of craving in me. So we practice together. And I make the commitment 
to do the same. I will refrain from watering the seed of fear, of anger, of uh, uh, of uh, violence in you. So we practice together as a couple, as a family, as a community, and that is the first aspect of of right uh, diligence. The second aspect of right diligence is that if it happens that the seed, the negative seed has manifested, and then we try our best to embrace and to help them to go back to the depth of our consciousness, not to let them uh, alone in, our, in the upper level of our consciousness for a long time. Because if you have a chance to be there for a long time, and then at the base, they will grow. So when you consume uh, television, you consume magazines, you consume sight and sound, uh, you might touch off uh, the negative seeds in here. And if you continue to consume without, um, without um, mindfulness, and then you keep it alive, and then at the base they continue to grow. So how to take care of the negative when they have manifested in order to help them to go back and give place to, to, to the more positive seeds to come. That is the second aspect of true diligence. And we can practice together. Dear one, if you really care for me and then when my anger comes, please help in order from, to embrace my, uh, my, my, my anger, my violence so that it will come back, uh, return to the depth of my uh, store consciousness as uh, soon as possible. We invite, uh, we invite uh, um, other guests into our, our living room because the upper level of our consciousness is like a living room. So our consciousness is like uh, a television with uh, 1,000 channels. And if we practice this second aspect of, um, of, uh, of, uh, of true diligence, right diligence, and then we would know how to turn off the channel of violence, of craving, of fear, so that there is a chance for another uh, channel to be turned on. Then um, the third, uh, the the third um, aspect of the practice is uh, the good seeds, like the seeds of compassion, uh, mindfulness, uh, tolerance, uh, should be touched every day by yourself, by the people you love, in order to help them to manifest. You love him. You know you want him to be happy. Therefore, you, you help him. You help touch the seed of uh, compassion, of joy, of tolerance, of mindfulness in him. And then in his, uh, in his uh, mind consciousness, there will be uh, visitors, good visitors, and that make him happy and you happy also. 
So your statement is, darling, if you really care for me, if you love me, please help me every day to touch the positive things in me. And I would vow to do the same to you. That is the third aspect of true right diligence. And then the fourth aspect is that uh, when the good seeds have uh, manifested, try your best to keep them alive. Like when you have a wonderful guest, try to, to keep them as long as, as, as you can, because uh, the longer they stay, uh, the bigger they will grow uh, on, on the base, transformation at the base, that is our practice. Transformation at the base. So through that diligence, right diligence in terms of uh, taking care of our seeds, is very concrete practice. And uh, other things, working hard day and night, producing a lot of this or that, cannot be considered to be right diligence. Diligence is the intelligent way of handling the seeds without within our store consciousness. We'll continue after some mindful movements. In the discourse on uh, the better way to be alone, the Buddha said we should be diligent today. Tomorrow will be maybe too late. We understand uh, right uh, diligence as uh, the practice of taking care of the seat within our consciousness. Uh, we practice so that we will refrain from watering the negative seeds in us and in the other person. We practice so that we can uh, remember to water the good seeds in us and in, our, in the other person every day. And when they have manifested, we try to, uh, to maintain them alive, uh, to keep them there with us as long as we can. This uh, practice, we call it uh, in Plum English, uh, the practice of uh, selective watering. You water only the flowers, you don't water the garbage. And this is very 
effective. You try and see. One hour of practice is enough to bring about something. One day of practice, two days of practice, one week of practice can change the whole situation. Have a Dharma discussion between two of you, three of you, five of you, to discuss the strategy of uh, right diligence and sign a treaty, a peace treaty, that we should help each other, we should take care of each other by the practice of uh, right uh, diligence. Refrain from watering the negative seed in us and in the other person. And when it has manifested by, by um, lack of sense, and then we know how to embrace them, recognize them, and help them to go back to their place in store consciousness. Do your best to recognize the presence of good seeds in us, in self and the other. Practice watering them every day, several times. And when they have manifested, try to, to keep them alive. Discuss the strategy of practice. And it will be a joy. It's not hard practice. You may use uh, your intelligence, your skillfulness in the practice. And you see, one week can make uh, uh, a big difference. It can bring joy back very easily. The six, the six uh, of uh, the eighth uh, right path, eighth right path is uh, right mindfulness. Chánh niệm. Right mindfulness is the kind of mindfulness that promotes right religions, right action, right speech, right thinking, right view. And right mindfulness is within the other seven limbs of the path. So in this retreat, in this retreat we have been uh, uh, learning about mindfulness, so there's no point to talk about mindfulness now. <laughs> uh, should be a right livelihood first. Right uh, livelihood. In the Sutra on Happiness, we learn that uh, to have a job that we like is great happiness. A job uh, where we can earn our life and also uh, practice uh, and nourish our our uh, compassion, our idea of compassion, 
is great happiness. <coughs> if uh, you do not have the job that you like, the kind of job that helps you to cultivate uh, Mm, compassion and then to try your best to do it with mindfulness until the sense uh, the opportunities arise so that you can have the kind of job that can help you to cultivate your compassion your I- to, to follow your idea realize your ideal of uh, compassion fifteen years ago uh, I received a gentleman in the upper hamlet. It was very cold. It was uh, in full winter. And at that time, we did not have um, a heating system in upper hamlet. It was very cold. We did not have any chair like uh, the chair we see, we see today. We had only a few benches. And the gentleman came with his wife, and he could not offer them a place where it's warm enough and no comfortable chair. So I sat on one bench, invited the couple to sit uh, across the table on the bench. The lady uh, um, could not uh, could not enjoy it, so she went back to her car and sit there. And I was uh, sitting with uh, the gentleman. He came in order to ask me a question about his job. He was the designer of atomic bombs. And he did not feel uh, good within himself. I uh, could not afford to say that uh, you have to stop right away. We have to do other things. Because uh, to say something like that is not very intelligent. Because I know that if he quit the job, someone will jump in and continue. You change nothing. So I was uh, inclined to persuade him to stay in the job. But do it mindfully. And with mindfulness, uh, something can, can happen. You, can, you cannot have easy answers to many questions. You have to rely on mindfulness, concentration and insight in order to have the right answer. So the collective uh, practice of mindfulness, concentration, will bring about the insight that, can, that will save us from the situation. It is a, a situation uh, made, of by, made up by all of us and not just one person. So we need a collective uh, wisdom and insight in order to solve it. This is not a problem of one person, but uh, 
the problem of all of us. That is why uh, you stay mindful and you invite other people in the firm, in the government, in the Congress, in the nation to stay mindful. And then the solution, the insight will come. So right, the right livelihood is not an easy issue. Even if you are a president uh, of uh, your country, even if you, uh, you belong to a political party that uh, does not approve of the selling of arms to third world countries, you know that uh, they don't need uh, guns and bombs and fighters, they need uh, food. And yet you, you have to remain silent so that uh, the arm industries in con- con- your country continue to survive by selling deadly weapons to, to underdeveloped countries. You know that it's wrong to make uh, weapons and to sell these countries. But if you say no, and then uh, you, uh, you, you go, you go f- uh, fall as a government, as a political party. <coughs> that is why we see uh, 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 socialists who advocate for the social justice, uh, the, the, the less, no, uh, less violence and things like that, they continue to, to tolerate the making of bombs and tanks and guns and bullets to sell. That is a problem of everyone. We need a collective awakening. And therefore, if you are a Bodhisattva, if you are already a awakened person, you have to help with the awakening of, uh, of the whole nation. Because Bodhisattva means to wake up and to help people wake up. Uh, right livelihood is not just an individual uh, practice. If you are lucky to have the job you like, please don't, don't forget us who do not have the same kind of uh, opportunities. So profit from it and do something to help us so that everyone will have a kind of uh, job that will not be harmful to humans and nature. And this is the first mindfulness uh, training. The second mindfulness training is about right uh, livelihood. You are a doctor. You are a trader. You are a seller. Sometimes you feel that uh, you are not doing it right. Your practice is not uh, exactly on the path of right livelihood. <coughs> <coughs>
but you have to continue like that. You suffer. So you have to consult with your um, colleagues in order to improve the situation and to, to, to do uh, your job in such a way that allows compassion to be born every moment in your heart. We always need a Dharma discussion in our daily life. Then we have uh, right uh, mindfulness and right concentration. Mindfulness helps us to be present in the here and the now, to be fully alive. And mindfulness brings concentration. Therefore, we are able to live deeply each moment of our life. And if we can live concentrated, and then we have the insight of uh, what we are in touch with. So to, to live mindfully means to live uh, with concentration. And to live with concentration is a very basic condition for you to get insight needed for your, for your salvation, for your transformation, and the transformation of the world. And you see that uh, the path includes the uh, right speech, right action, right livelihood. Therefore, the practice of Buddhism is the practice for society. Our daily life is not uh, to cut off, to cut uh, ourselves off from from daily life. And this is the teaching of the first Dharma talk of the Buddha. So in the beginning, Buddhism is already engaged Buddhism, the kind of Buddhism that can be applied uh, in our daily life. To make Buddhism a practice only for monks and nuns uh, confined to the monastery is wrong. And Buddhism uh, can only be engaged. If it is not engaged, it's not Buddhism. It's not true Buddhism. We know that uh, when the, the situation uh, or, or of the blood circulation is not good, we have problems in our body. If the blood does not uh, circulate well, and then we have uh, in our brain, and then we have a headache. If the blood does not uh, circulate well in our limbs, and then we if you're painful, a lot of symptoms uh, happen. That is why uh, 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 practicing massage, uh, 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 
uh, taking the kind of uh, medicines that help with the circulation of blood is very important for our well-being. Uh, the same thing is true with our consciousness. Because there is a blood in our consciousness. And if the circulation of uh, mental formations, because mental formations are the blood of the consciousness, is stuck, and then there will be a lot of uh, symptoms of illness happening, like uh, depression and so on. We have uh, 51 categories of mental formations, positive and negative. And because we practice uh, suppressing some of them, that is why we create a state, a situation of uh, bad circulation of our psyche. <coughs> that is why there are mental, mental illnesses, mental tr- troubles. Therefore, this practice offered by the Buddha is to help uh, with the circulation of the psyche. We can uh, visualize our consciousness as having uh, two layers. Underneath is store consciousness, and up there, is uh, mind consciousness. Store consciousness is uh, something like uh, the basement of our house. And a- anything that we don't like, we just dump into, <coughs> into it. It's pleasant to display them in the living room. So the mind consciousness is uh, the living room. And we know that there are blocks of pain, sorrow, and fear that we don't want them to, to come up. <coughs> Therefore, we, we unconsciously try to block them by, by inviting guests to come and, and fill up the living room. We don't want our sorrow, our fear, our loneliness to come up. That is why we turn on the television, and television come here and settle in the living room. Or we may use our automobile and we just drive anywhere. We should keep ourselves busy in order for the things down here do not have a chance to emerge. <coughs> Remember, you have uh, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. You might like to practice uh, um, enjoying, uh, not doing anything. But you are afraid that if you do not do anything, they will come up. That is why you, you have to pick up a book, a magazine, or telephone in order to, to prevent them to come up. This is uh, the practice of most of us because we are afraid that the blocks of pain, sorrow, and fear 
and despair will come up and give us uh, a hard time. So, suddenly we practice a uh, kind of uh, embargo. We set up a barrier here in order to prevent the blocks of suffering to come up. And the market, the supermarket provides us with uh, a lot of uh, uh, instruments in order for us to fly, to, 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 to escape. And that's why they can make a lot of money. We do, we do anything except going back to ourselves, because going back to ourselves is very dangerous. We risk encountering ourselves and the blocks of pain and sorrow and fear inside. And in our society, many people practice that, that but they don't know. We operate on the ground of fear. And therefore, we create a situation of bad circulation of our psyche. And if uh, symptoms of mental illness uh, begin to appear, it is because we have uh, created within ourselves the situation of bad circulation. The teaching of the Buddha is to remove this. And encourage them to come up. And this practice is made possible with uh, mindfulness. Because if uh, if you are capable of uh, inviting mindfulness to come up to be a loving host, if our mindfulness is good enough, and then we should not be afraid of inviting them to come up. To invite them to come up and to be aware of their presence to recognize them and to embrace them, this is our practice. Whether it is your fear, your feeling of insecurity, your anger, your despair, your violence, you should be able to let them to come up naturally and you'll be able to recognize them, embrace them and take good care of them. This is clear in the Buddha's teaching. Suppose we talk about fear. All of us have the fear of being rejected, being abandoned, of losing what we cherish, losing the people we love, the fear of uh, getting old and get sick. We don't want to think of it. The Buddha said, no, practice mindfulness. Equip yourself with mindfulness, invite them and and have a look and talk to them. 
and treat them nicely. So the practice of uh, five uh, remembrances, as you know, should be done every day. I am breathing in. I, I know I am of the nature to grow all. Breathing out. I know I cannot escape uh, old age. So the fear of old age, invite, them, invite it up. Smile to it, embrace it, and recognize it. You do it because you, you have enough uh, in mindfulness. I am of the nature to get sick when I'm old. I cannot escape uh, sickness. I am of the nature to die. I cannot escape uh, dying. Everything I cherish today, everyone I cherish today, I will have to abandon tomorrow. I cannot avoid that. When I go, I cannot bring with me anything, diploma, houses, bank account. I just bring with me the fruit of my action, karma, in terms of uh, thinking, speech, thought, speech, and bodily action. That is the only thing I carry with me. So confronting the truth, confronting your fear, smile to it. The teaching is that when you are capable of embracing it like this for one, two minutes, the, the energy of mindfulness will penetrate. And then after, after that, your fear will go down back here. Just a little bit uh, less important. There's a phenomena of uh, discharge. Discharge. It will lose a little bit of its strength. But tomorrow, you will do it again, but again. Just recognizing and smiling to it. You do the same with other mental formations that are negative, like, like uh, despair, like uh, jealousy, like anger, like violence. And that is why the energy of mindfulness is at the center of Buddhist practice. Mindfulness is the heart of Buddhist meditation. And mindfulness is the kind of energy that we generate every day by the practice of mindful walking, mindful sitting, mindful breathing, and so on. It is the energy that helps us to transform and heal. And therefore, organizing mindfulness practice in your daily life is very important. Walking from a building to another building, you practice mindfulness of walking. Washing the dishes, making a pot of tea, (coughs) even in the time to practice uh, generating the energy of mindfulness. That is uh, mindfulness, is the energy of the Buddha. And you don't need to be in a practice center in order to, to do it. 
You can do it at home, in your office also, in your workplace also. And you have more peace, more stability, more solidity, and you help other workers around you. And when we allow these uh, blocks of uh, fear, violence, anger to come up and embrace like that, some, something like a taking a bath of mindfulness, allow them to take a bath of mindfulness, and then they go down. And if the practice is, um, is um, steady, then in just one week or two, you can restore the circulation. <coughs> and the symptoms of mental illness may go away, including your, your depression. So mindfulness is the, is the energy that, do, that can do the massage for your psyche, for your consciousness. It gets things go, going on. Uh, it gets things uh, circulate. And if you practice like that, you, you, you bring a lot of space within. We see people who look like a bomb ready to explode because their suffering has been repressed and repressed day after day. We can help him too. We can help her too to restore the balance with the, uh, with the uh, practice of uh, welcoming, recognizing, embracing. Most of us practice the opposite. We, uh, we consume. We invite uh, the object of our consumption to come here in order to prevent these, uh, these blocks of suffering to come up. And by consuming without mindfulness, we strengthen the blocks of suffering in us. Because reading magazines, reading novels, watching television, having conversation, expose ourselves to, to, the, to the invasion of uh, sight and sound, the second nutriment, sensory impressions. We continue to get the poisons, the toxins into our consciousness. We consume more violence, we consume more craving, we consume more anger. And therefore, we make the situation here worse and worse all the time and show our children. We allow our children to consume uh, uh, violence, craving, and despair every day. 
And sometimes, at the age of 15 or 16, they, they feel that they cannot go on with school anymore. They just stop. Mommy, I just cannot go to school anymore. Because it's too full in me. And there are many uh, families who suffer because of that. Intoxication. Auto-intoxication by unmindful consumption. And then uh, you are expected to suppress the suffering in you. So mental illness is something that has to, to come. And therefore, the practice of the fifth mindfulness training is very crucial. Do not consume any more the items that can bring more toxins and poison into your consciousness. This is the first therapeutic uh, measure. The second therapeutic measure is to remove the barrier and allow the pain, sorrow, the fear to come up. Embrace them. If you are not capable to do that yet, then put yourself in a sangha, asking a, a brother or a sister in the Dharma to come and help you to embrace your fear. And then one week, two weeks later, you can do it by yourself alone. So there are two steps. The first step is refraining, stopping the consumption of, uh, of violence, of craving of fear, of despair that can be found, that can be identified in many of the so-called control items available in the market. The second step of uh, uh, therapy is to remove the barrier, remove uh, uh, lift um, embargo and allow things to come. And you do like a mother, recognizing them as just children. Embrace them with a lot of, uh, of compassion because they are you. These blocks of suffering are you. You are a big brother to them. You are a big sister to them. You are a kind minor to them. My children, come up. Let me embrace you. I know you are there. This is uh, the practice. The violence in us has to be recognized. The violence in our society has to be recognized. And there should be concrete practices in order to embrace, to recognize, to embrace, and to transform. Let us learn how to practice as individuals. Let us come together and find way to practice as uh, a family, as a community, as a nation. <coughs> you are a teacher. You can help as a teacher. You are a legislator. You can help as a legislator. 
you are a filmmaker, you can help with as a filmmaker. Everyone can help. The Manifesto 2000 uh, proposed by UNESCO is a text that we can use in order to promote the practice of non-violence, of peace. We have helped uh, draft uh, the text of the Manifesto 2000. So Tiu is supposed to offer each of you one copy the manifesto. The manifesto is not a statement, a petition. It is, a, it is made of six points that we can apply to our daily life. We should talk to our children, to our friends, to our partner about how to implement the six points of the manifesto in our daily life and help people to, to do the same. Invite them to read, to reflect on it, and to apply on their uh, individual, family, and social life. And as uh, practitioners of Buddhist meditation, you may like to use the five mindfulness, mindfulness trainings in order to support that, because the five mindfulness trainings are very solid, very substantial, uh, very concrete practices. We know that in every great uh, spiritual tradition, there must be equivalence to the five mindfulness trainings. We invite them to offer the same from that tradition. Although the five trainings are already presented in a uh, universal language, no technical Buddhist terms, but we still uh, need uh, other traditions to offer the equivalent for the practice. And the Manifesto 2000 uh, is an instrument, non-sectarian, non-religious practice. UNESCO wants uh, 100 uh, million signatures in order to give it to uh, the United Nations. And we are committed to uh, help with uh, the practice of uh, peace and nonviolence um, in the in in the in a frame in in a frame of uh, the first decade of the century, from the year two thousand one to the year two thousand ten. Uh, these ten years have been proclaimed by the United Nations as a decade for the practice of peace and non-violence. So let every one of us become an instrument for, for, that, uh, for that practice. Uh, actually, uh, we in Plum Village, we are working on a manual for the practice of non-violence. It will be available in a few months. And it will be published by either UNESCO or by the United Nations to be used in uh, families, 
schools, and so on. My, my, my desire, my expectation is that every one of you become a bodhisattva. It's possible. Because only by becoming a bodhisattva that uh, a future could be possible. Transform yourself into an instrument of peace and non-violence. Practice as an individual to transform yourself, to bring joy and solidity and peace to yourself. Practice in, your, in the context of your family. Transform your, your family into a sangha. And then bring the practice to your community, your society. The Buddha eye is within you. Please do make good use of it. And when you know how to use the Sangha eyes, the Dhamma eyes, and the Buddha eyes, you become a Bodhisattva. Let us not be something, someone not less than a Bodhisattva. And you know that you are the capacity, you have the capacity of being mindful. And you can operate on the inside of uh, non-self. The Buddha said, where there is, uh, where there are marks, there are deception. Marks means uh, signs, appearances. I need on more on more minutes. Anyone has a tape? We have learned that everything should be looked upon as uh, a metaphor. I, you, cloud, flower, pebble, everything has to be looked upon as a metaphor without uh, uh, a separated uh, self. So we should, not, we should not be fooled by the appearance, the mark the sign. And that is why in the Diamond Sutra, the Buddha said, wherever there are signs, there is deception. If you are capable of uh, seeing the no sign in the sign, 
and then you can see the Buddha, you can see the Tathagata. Phạm sở hữu tướng, giai thị hư vọng, nhược kiến chư tướng phi tướng, tức kiến như lại. It's a very famous uh, statement made by the Buddha. Wherever there are signs, there is a deception. You are caught by signs. You should be free. When we say Buddhism, when I look at Buddhism, we should know that Buddhism is made only of non-Buddhist elements. When we see a rose, we know that a rose is made only of non-rose elements. It means that uh, you have to see the the non-rose elements in the rose. You, you have to see the non-mark in the mark, and then you can see the Buddha. The dialectic, the dialectics of uh, the, the Diamond Sutra is that A, if you can see that A is not A, and then you really see A, the true nature of A. When you see rose is not a rose, and you really see the rose. Because you are not caught in the sign of rose. You know rose is made only of non-rose element. You see the other person. And if you know that the other person is made of conditions, among them, you. So you don't blame him anymore. You don't blame her anymore. You see him as a non-him. That is why you can see him clearly. This is a the dialectics of the Diamond Sutra. A Bodhisattva is not a Bodhisattva. That is why he is a real Bodhisattva. You encounter that statement several times in statement like that uh, several times in the Diamond Sutra. So we can see that if you can see the nature of no sign in a sign, and then you can see the Buddha suchness the ultimate reality is very simple. And you have heard the Buddha saying that who understands dependent go arising can see the Buddha. Dependent go arising is uh, is interbeing, is no mark. Is no self. All these uh, is all these terms all uh, reflect the same thing. Whoever see dependent co-arising sees the Buddha. And in Diamond Sutra, this is repeated in in a different way. After the Buddha made the statement, Subhuti said, "Dear teacher." I wonder whether 500 years from now, people, when people hear statement like that, would they be able to understand and to accept? 
A rose is not a rose, therefore it is a real rose. If you can recognize the nature of uh, no sign in every sign, uh, you begin to see the Buddha. Literature. 500 years from now, people, when they hear this statement, would they be able to understand it? He was a little bit worried because of the language and of teaching, which seems to be difficult. The Buddha said, don't worry, my child. 500 years from now, 1,000 years from now, 2,000 years from now, there will be people upon hearing that will be able to understand and to accept. And these people will be seen by the Buddha, understood by the Buddha. And that is a, a passage, a, a paragraph you see in the, in the Diamond Sutra. When I hear that, I suddenly remember what I, I hear uh, when I was a, a schoolboy uh, studying learning uh, optics. And the professor told me that je vois l'œil qui me voit. I see the eyes that sees me. Let's see me. Je vois l'œil qui me voit. I forget all my French. Je vois l'œil qui me voit. So you, you sit uh, uh, in the back seat of your car. You look into the uh, retrovisor and you see the eyes of someone looking. You know that that person sees your eyes. According to the law of uh, optics. So when you are capable of seeing the nature of uh, Pratitya Samutpada, co-dependent, uh, co-arising. You are capable of seeing the nature of no-self, of interbeing. You see the Buddha, because Buddha is awakening. Buddha is the capacity of seeing that. And then, therefore, when you see the Buddha, the Buddha sees you. Je vois l'œil qui me voit. I see the eye. Let's see me. The Buddha said, when you hear the teaching and understand, you are, you are behold by the Buddha, beheld by the Buddha, you are understood by the Buddha. It's very great comfort. You don't need to go back to 2,600 years ago. You just sit there and you are seen by the Buddha because you have seen him. You are understood by the Buddha because you have understood the nature of, uh, of uh, dependent co-arising. So the Buddha eyes is the eyes that, that can see the, uh, 
nature of interdependence, the nature of uh, interbeing. The Buddha eyes are the eyes that can understand the mind of uh, living beings. This is also a, a definition in the Heart Sutra. With the Buddha eyes, you can understand the mentality, the hope, the fear of every living being. For you to offer the the appropriate teaching and practice. This is, uh, to me, the best definition of Buddha eyes. The eyes, the Buddha eyes, the kind of eyes that is capable of understanding the mind, the situation of every living being. The kind of eyes that can offer appropriate uh, teachings and practice so that everyone will have a chance to go to cross to the other shore. And we are all uh, uh, sons and daughters of the Buddha because we have been nourished by the Dharma milk that, uh, that has been offered by him. Uh, and originally, we are endowed with uh, Buddha eyes. The Buddha eyes is not really, has not really been transmitted to you by the Buddha. The Buddha eyes is uh, inherent within yourself. So cleansing the Buddha eyes, bringing it out, and to make use of it is our practice. And use the Buddha eyes as well as the Sangha eyes and the Dharma eyes in order to reconsider, to look, uh, to take a deep look on our situation and the situation of our world. And we see which way to go. Collective awakening is what we need. So you cannot just be a self-enlightened uh, being. You have to, to be a bodhisattva. Bodhisattva has two meanings. Yak hutin and hutin yak. Yak hutin means enlightened being. Bodhisattva means, first of all, an enlightened being. The second meaning is Hilton Yak, you are working for the enlightenment of other people. So you cannot afford to be something less than a Bodhisattva if you really care. Because in, uh, collective transformation has to do with in, individual transformation and vice versa. And awakening is not something far away. Awakening is the, the daily business. When you pick up a glass of tea and drink it mindfully, that is awakening. Because mindfully drinking your tea is an act of enlightenment. Living in forgetfulness, you drink your tea, and yet you do not drink your tea. You drink your, your worries, your fear. You drink the 
past, you drink the future. So the absence, that means the absence of, uh, of enlightenment. Because enlightenment is made of uh, mindfulness and concentration. Wherever there is a mindfulness, there is a concentration and insight. So make enlightenment into, 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 into every moment uh, act. Whether you take a step, make a step, whether you breathe in, whether you drink your tea, make it into an act of enlightenment. And then you see that the Buddha is not something outside of you. The Buddha is you. And we know that all of us have the seed of mindfulness. All of us have the seed of Buddhahood. We call it sometimes nature of Buddha, nature of awakening. So just go home to us, touch the beautiful seed of mindfulness, awakening, and live our life as a Bodhisattva. That, that is what I expected from all of you. Nothing less than that. Be a torch. Bring the light of the Buddha to the world. And we will remain a Sangha for the fulfillment of our deepest desire, the desire to make uh, this place into a wonderful place for our children and their children. Tomorrow we have a uh, uh, question and answer. And uh, there may be uh, questions on practical matters. Like today, uh, there is a question as how to uh, deal with uh, sexual craving, this kind of violence. If you don't know how to handle the sexual energy in you, you can be violent. Therefore, we may like to ask questions uh, like that uh, tomorrow. Today's walking meditation is the, the only one that is left for us uh, in this retreat. Tomorrow, uh, uh, there will not be walking meditation after Dhamma talk. After the breakfast, so please join us and have a wonderful walk. Uh, we are determined to penetrate into the kingdom of God, to enjoy walking in the Buddha land. We don't wait for for another day. We just do it today. Enjoy walking and climbing on the hill of the 21st uh, century together, not as uh, individuals, but as a Sangha. We learn to be a river and not a drops of water anymore if we are to arrive to the ocean.
Brother Fabhoa and Sister Thường Yim will make an announcement to the young people in the retreat. And contacts, uh, addresses. Um, the addresses will be posted in uh, each of the hamlets. And, um, oh, thank you. <laughs> And um, um, the uh, for a deeper information about that, you can contact uh, Peter. Interested um, in uh, sharing over the internet. Uh, forgotten anything? <laughs> Slash uh, uh, cyber sangha. Dear Thai, dear Sangha, um, I don't really have anything else to share. We'll be